Well, good morning, and welcome once again to Milton Bible Church Online. It's great to be together, one church in many homes. Today, we're going to continue our series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, and this is what they say. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray together. Father, we would just ask that you would open our hearts to your word and to grow in wisdom and that we might uh, hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and we might respond. So thank you for the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which you desire to grow by faith, by obedience, by walking in step with the Spirit. And so we just ask, Lord, as we study this wonderful uh, uh, fruit of the Spirit, love, that love would grow in us and through us. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about love. And there is a kid's book called Love is Like a Crayon because it comes in all colors. And I brought a couple of statements from kids. And the first statement is from Camille, who is aged nine. And they ask Camille, Camille, how do you get someone to fall in love with you? And this is what this little nine-year-old said. She said, shake your hips and hope for the best. This is from Tammy, age 10. They asked Tammy about kissing, and she said, it is never okay to kiss a boy. They always slobber all over you, and that's why I stopped doing it. And then one more from Bob, Bob's nine. They asked if he knew any original love songs, and the nine-year-old said, yes, I do. I'm in love with you most of the time, but don't bother me when I'm with my friends. You know, one thing I've discovered is that love is something that you make on occasion, you fall into at other times. It's been known to produce broken hearts and goosebumps, loss of appetite and starry eyes. It's inspired some to die and others to kill. Love may make the world go round, but it certainly is confusing to a lot of people. So I want to talk, before we get into it, about two misconceptions about love. Two misconceptions about love, and the first one is this. Love is only a feeling. That love is only a feeling. A lot of us, a lot of you, think love is some kind of an emotion. It's kind of a knot in the stomach. It's a certain kind of feeling that we have, and we're always searching for that feeling. Because some of us think that's all it is. We talk about falling into love and falling out of love, which basically means we either feel the emotion or we don't feel the emotion. The other misconception about love is that love is uncontrollable. When people talk about being in love, they say things like, you know, I feel giddy or my head is spinning or every time I hear that voice, I have butterflies in my stomach or the stars are brighter. You know, I think back to the um, 1970s when I was growing up and we had 
you know, we had real love songs like the Captain and Tennille's Muskrat Love. Let me read uh, a, a, couple of, uh, a couple of verses. Do the jitterbug at muskrat land, and they shimmy, Sam is so skinny, and they whirl and they twirl and they tango, singing and jingling a jangle, float like the heavens above, looks like muskrat love. I'll tell you, back in the 70s, we had songs with real content, real meaning, real depth of reality. Well, you know what? I don't know what a jingle or a jangle is, and uh, because love is more than a feeling. It's more than a jingle and a jangle, and it is certainly not something uncontrollable. If we believe that it's uncontrollable, it's just something that happens to us, then of course the result is that we fall into it. It's something that we cannot change, and of course that's not true and it's wrong. Somebody said that we need a higher quality of love, and I believe that, a higher level. And that's what we're talking about today. You see, puppy love will not get you through the dog days of life. And love has to last more than a two-hour movie or a 250-page romance. Love is meant to be a lifetime. It works if we understand it in our relationships. It works and it really makes a difference in our life, in our marriages, in our families, in our neighborhoods, at work, wherever we are. So let's get going. Well, there's two things that we need to look at. The first thing, we need to ask what love is. And the second thing, we're going to act what love acts. We're going to ask what love is, and we're going to act what love acts. So first of all, we ask what love is. Love, first, is a matter of choice. In Colossians chapter 3, the writer writes, and above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know what? It's not something that we're a victim of. It's something that we choose. The writer wrote to the church in Colossae, above all these things, put on love. Now, he wouldn't tell them to put on something that was like a cloud or mystical or airy-fairy or just a feeling. He's not telling them to do that. He's saying, this is something that you can do. This is something that you can do. It's a matter of choice. Secondly, love is a matter of conduct. Love is a matter of choice, but also love is a matter of conduct. In 1 John chapter 3, 18, it says, Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed in, and, and in truth. Indeed, what he's saying is, let us love in works, in acts, in things that we do. It's more than what we say. It's a behavior. So in this passage, John was telling us to back up our love with our actions. It's kind of like the guy who always said to his girlfriend, honey, I love you so much, I would die for you. And she would respond by saying, you say that all the time, but you never do it. 
not only do we need to define love, but we need to understand, you know, that love is a matter of choice and love is a matter of conduct. And so we need to act like love acts. And so we're going to get, get into the great love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. So if you have a Bible, follow along in your Bible. We're going to work through this passage and we're going to make application to our lives as we go through. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter, verses 4 to 7, which tells us to act like love acts. And the first thing that we see is that love is patient. Love is patient. He says, he says that to, for us to understand that love is patient with other people. So in Ephesians 4, verse 2, it says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another with love. So he's saying with patience, with humility, let's bear one another in love. Why? Because other people aren't perfect. So we need to be patient. We need to be patient with them in love. And, we love, and it's because we love that person. And we know what it's like in a relationship to turn the other cheek or, the, or to go the second mile or to be patient with our loved ones. Now, patience isn't always easy, is it? It's very difficult for me sometimes. And you know what uh, I do when, when I, I find myself not being patient? Because I'm actually not a very patient person. I, I have to go back to how Christ is patient with me. And I look at my own insecurities and my own feelings and my own faults and my own sins and my own seeking of forgiveness. And I realize how Christ is so patient with me. And I realize that I need to be patient with others. The, the scripture says that we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were unloving, while we were unwilling, he was willing to, make, wait, to wait on us. Do you know one of the old songs that we used to sing years ago, and we used to sing it quite often in church, and some of you may have heard this song. We don't sing it much anymore, but it was a song that saw many, many people come to Christ. And the song was just as I am. Listen to one of the words or one of the lyrics. It says this, just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. And when I think of how often those words penetrated the hearts of those who doubted and those who feared and those who weren't sure and those who didn't know what to do and just, it was just, just come. Just, just come to Christ. Bring all that stuff with you and just come and receive the love of God. How many came to know the Lord through that? Absolutely spectacular. Be patient. Remember last week when I said all the nine qualities of the fruit of the Spirit are all qualities that God has. So the first thing that we understand biblically is that love is patient. The second thing that we understand is that love is kind. Love is kind. Ephesians chapter 3 verse, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says this, 
says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Let me give you a definition of kindness. A definition of kindness. It's the ability to care for each other in the practical details of life. Let me say that again. A definition of kindness is the ability to care for each other in the practical details of life. You know what, I've defined kindness this way because I want you to think of kindness in a way that, you know, if we're not careful, we think of it as kind of mystical or kind of difficult. But I think it kind of fleshes itself out in relationships by just practical day-to-day living of kindnesses. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, that it's often easier to be kinder than a stranger than it is to be uh, kind to those who are closest to us. Sometimes it's kinder to be, sometimes it's easier to be kinder to other people's kids than it is to our own kids, or kinder to our neighbors than to our own spouse, or kinder to a stranger, you know, that we, that we meet on the street than it is to our own co-workers. And you know what? Uh, I think we just have to uh, be, be very careful and be very intentional. Do you know, for some reason, kindness and things that are on our hearts are sometimes difficult to express. Do you know what? My family, they love to give cards, especially funny ones. My daughter is the queen of the funny card. And uh, I think sometimes we buy cards for one another because it so succinctly says what we cannot seem to verbalize or uh, come face to face telling one another. And so it expresses things of the heart. And so sometimes it's easier just to give a card than to, than, than to speak words. You know, I like cards and I especially like humorous ones. So I saw one and I thought it would kind of fit into this sermon section. And this card said this, if I had an ice cream cone, I'd give you half. If I had six candies, I'd give you three. If I had two apples, one would be yours. If I won the lottery, I'd send you a postcard from Hawaii. I want you to look at Ephesians 4.32 again. And I want to read some words that we really need to latch onto before we go on to the next part of love. When Paul says this, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You see, the only way that I can have a relationship with anyone is to have forgiveness at the very core of that relationship. And that relationship is going to grow and it's going to develop not on the basis of perfection, not on the basis of performance, but on the basis of forgiveness. It's going to blossom through the willingness of people being willing to forgive one another. Paul said, forgive others as you have been forgiven by God. And when I see how much God forgave me, I then have the power to forgive someone else. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you hear what I, what I mean? That when we really begin to understand the love of God in our lives, how much God loves us, how much he forgave us, how the Father gave his Son, when I begin to understand the depths 
of that forgiveness and my offense of sin against him. Out of that, I can turn to someone else and live a life of forgiveness. But you know what? If you haven't received that love, if you haven't experienced that forgiveness, if you don't know what it's like to stand before the Father, a forgiven sinner, overwhelmed by the love of God, you need to, you need to take that step of faith and trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who died on the cross for you so that you might live. Have you crossed that line of faith? Have you received Jesus as Savior? Have you received the forgiveness and the love of God? Because it is out of that that we turn to one another and we can live a life of the fullness of forgiveness. Otherwise, the other extreme is just resentment and bitterness, and it just gets really ugly. Because the moment we understand what God has done for us, it changes our whole perspective. And we begin to live a life of forgiveness. Mother Teresa said this. She said, the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for, and lonely. Love is kind. Thirdly, love is secure. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it says this. It says, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Now, I want you to understand that if you add those four words up, envy plus boasting plus arrogance plus rudeness, do you know what it equals? It equals insecurity. What you find, if those are the characters of the heart, you find a massively insecure person. Do you know, security is the true key to relationships. You show me a good relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship, and I will show you that the heart of that relationship is going to be security. Two people who feel secure, secure enough to share their hearts, to be vulnerable, and to be honest. They can lay it on the line knowing that the other person has their best interests at heart. They can get down to real issues, but not in a revengeful or a bitter way. Show me a relationship who can't talk about the real issues, and I'm going to show you a relationship that lacks security. And can I say one more thing about security in a relationship? that if you don't have security as the foundation of a relationship, you're not going to be able to build a great relationship. You may get together, you may do things, you may go places together, you may have conversations, but security is always the foundation of a love relationship. An interviewer was once talking uh, to a, a circus trapeze performer. And he was talking to him about the net below him as he performed and as he practiced. And the interviewer said to the trapeze artist, what does that net below do for you? And the trapeze artist said, well, obviously, the net keeps me safe. But more than that, it makes me a better performer. 
And the interviewer said, how does that net make you a better performer? And the trapeze artist said, because I know that I'm safe and I know because of, of that security, I'll do one more twist, I'll try one more flip, I'll take greater risks, I'll do more and I'll become better because of that security that is below me. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to try a trick that I wouldn't try at all because that security releases me to reach my potential. And I believe that's true in any relationship. And I believe that's exactly true where there's security, where the other person becomes free to become all that God has for them. The next thing I want us to see about the acts or the actions that love does is that love is giving. In 1 Corinthians 13, 5, it says this, it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Well, if love is anything in a relationship, it's giving. God models it better than anyone else because he gave first. Isn't that true? You see, to give first means that I have to be vulnerable. It means that I have to give even if someone else doesn't give back. It means that I have to take that first step, that I must put something out even if someone is not going to meet me halfway or even if I know there probably isn't going to get any return on my investment. I mean, what happens if I take the first step and they don't take a step. And so many times, even if we want to give in a relationship, we settle for so much less. Because basically, what our relationship becomes is just negotiating and exchanging. If you do this, I'll do that. And we end up keeping score. I remember a couple that used to attend our church and they used to keep score. He got to go out one night with the boys, so I get to go out one night with the girls. He gets get to watch, got to watch the hockey game, you know, uh, last night, so I'm gonna watch my, you know, whatever show, you know, tonight. He, he got to, you know, I, I, he got to sleep in this day, so I get to sleep in the next day. And what happened, it was just keeping score. It was just, you know, it was just awful, actually. It's a terrible way to go through life, basically saying, I did something for them yesterday, so it's their turn to do something for me today. You lose the best things in life if you're waiting for someone else, even to, to kind of even up the score or to make up that which you began. I mean, love's not that way. Love is giving. C.S. Lewis was an incredible, incredible person. And uh, he wrote a book and also a movie was filmed called The Shadowlands. And it's, a, 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 it's about his relationship with his wife. Uh, the movie is about the relationship with his wife and the love relationship that they went through. And it was basically their story being told. And C.S. Lewis said something about love. And I think it's one of the most perceptive quotes on love that I have ever read. C.S. Lewis said this. 
He said that to love at all is to be vulnerable. Listen to, listen to this quote. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to be sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be safe from all dangers of love is hell. Lastly, act how love acts. The last point is this. Love acts turn into feelings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, it says this. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. I think we all know here that actions tremendously influence feelings. And there's kind of two types of people in the world. There are the ones who first they feel it and then they act it out. There are others who first they act it out, they do something, and then they feel it afterwards. I remember counseling a couple who told me that their marriage was dead. They uh, came to me, uh, sat down, and basically said, you were done. So as we began to talk through things, I gave them some homework. We met for uh, a few months, and we, uh, I gave them homework each week. And <clears throat> one of the homework assignments I gave them, the big breakthrough one, was simply this. I want you to go home, and I want you to act out loving one another. And do you know what they said to me? Jim, how can we possibly act in loving ways to one another when we don't really love each other? And I said, well, you know what? I want you to go and I want you to start doing it and then come back and tell me how it works. <clears throat> you see, mature people, they understand that actions determine feelings. And immature people understand that feelings determine actions. I said to them, I want you to go back and I want you to start acting lovingly towards your spouse. I want you to say words of love. I want you to do acts of kindness. I want you to appreciate one another. And I want you to, 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 <clears throat> to think of one another and what you're thinking <clears throat> and, and really Try to feel what they're feeling. Put yourself in their shoes. And then I want you to live those acts of kindness each and every day. Well, three months later, they came to me and they said, Jim, we don't know what happened, but we're going to the Poconos this weekend. It's time for a second honeymoon. You see, Jesus didn't just tell us to love one another. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. It's a massive difference. If we love one another as Christ loved us, let's think about the cross for a moment. Jesus dying on the cross for the sin of the world is not a picture of God loving nice people. 
It's not a picture of God loving his friends. It's a picture of God loving those who were really unlovable. I mean, think about it. The Jewish people, the Jewish leaders could hardly wait to get rid of him. They planned and they plotted for months. Pilate washed his hands of Christ and couldn't wait to get him out of his court. Their hatred for Jesus was so intense that they were willing to release a well-known murderer and political prisoner in order to get to Jesus. I mean, when the Lord died for us, he wasn't dying for some nice church service where people were sitting around holding hands, singing kumbaya. They hated his guts. They spit on him. They cursed him. They could hardly wait to see him dead. And with great joy, they watched him die. And as he died, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christ said, love one another as I have loved you. That's big time. That's massive stuff, isn't it? That means we're to love people who don't love us. That means we're not allowed to let how they respond to us dictate how we respond to them. He really does mean, you know, to walk the second mile with a person. He, Jesus really does mean to turn the other cheek. I got to wrap it up. Three things about love. First thing is this. Love people now. Love people now. Do you know what? Oftentimes... I find that people wait too long. It's not that they don't feel it, it's just that they don't express it. And I know families that haven't expressed love to each other in a very long time. And let me tell you something, um, if you love somebody, tell them today. So get on the phone, you know, uh, get in the car and get down there and, and tell them that you love them. You know, when my dad was 76, about 10 years ago, um, you know, as, as he began to get older and, you know, I, I just felt I needed to spend some time with him and, and, and just express love to him. So I asked him, Dad, do you want to go down to the place where you were born, Rochester, New York, and, uh, and, and just kind of take a, a walk through, a mem walk down memory lane with me? And so he uh, did that. He lived down there for the first, you know, uh, decade of his life. And so we went down to Rochester, New York. We spent a weekend there. We went to his old house, you know, where he used to live. And his cousins lived right around the corner. And we went to his church where he used to be an altar boy. We went to a school where he went to school. We went to all these different places that stirred up all these memories. We even went down to the waterfront at, um, in Rochester. Beautiful waterfront. They have a gorgeous park. There's a restaurant there. If you know anything about Rochester, New York, they're famous for their white hots and their red hot hot dogs. So we sat there and had a really unhealthy meal eating, you know, white hots. And then we, you know, my dad said, you know, when I was young, there used to be a merry-go-round down by the water. So we walked down by the water and wouldn't you know it, this merry-go-round is still there. 
It's still there. And so, you know, I asked them, how much does it cost to go on the merry-go-round? You know, we're the only ones there. And they said, it costs a dollar. I'm like, what? Dad, you got to get on that merry-go-round. So 76-year-old, my dad gets on the merry-go-round. I mean, I'm such a good son. I splurge. I send him around twice. Two bucks. <laughs> Do you know what? It just was one great, I love you, Dad. Now, my dad died last year, and I miss him. But I am so thankful that we had that time together. We had that time to just say, I love you, um, and just be together and talk about the things that were important to him as he was growing up. And he didn't have an easy life. Grew up, his mom was... Uh, uh, had a tough time because my grandfather had tuberculosis. He was in a sanatorium, what they used to call it, hospital for seven years flat on his back. Till finally, he was fatherless the first 10 years of his life. And you know what? Um, it was just wonderful to be together and to find out how he was shaped and who he was. Listen, <clears throat> some of you need to get out a piece of paper and you need to write down a name of someone you need to love on. And you need to do it today. You need to do it today. Love people now. Secondly, understand love is vulnerable. If I choose to love, I'm gonna open myself up. I know that. I can either withhold the affection from others by kind of stiff arming them and keeping them at bay, or I can allow them to come in and be open and vulnerable to them, and I can let them into my life and into my heart. And I will tell you something, if you let someone in, you are going to receive all kinds of appreciation and, and being uplifted, but you're also going to open yourself up to hurt and to pain. I love the story about the guy who was getting ready to marry his girlfriend. He had a ring in his hand. He was holding the ring and he got down on his knee. The moon was just right. And he said to her, sweetheart, I want you to marry me. He said, I don't have a beautiful car like Johnny Green and I don't have a house like him and I don't have a yacht like him and I don't have tons of money in the bank like him. But I'll tell you what, I love you with my whole heart and I want to marry you. And the girl looked down at him and said, I love you too with my whole heart. But can you tell me a little more about Johnny Green? You see, a long time ago, I realized something about love. If you want to, you can go through life kind of stiff-arming people and keeping them at a distance and not letting them get close to you. And you will probably be never greatly hurt because you will never let them in close enough. But just as you'll never let them in and be greatly hurt, you're never going to be greatly helped either. The last thing is this, and it's the most obvious one. Love is powerful. Love is powerful. It really is. The law may tell you what to do, but love will give you the power to do it. And Jesus knew that. That's why he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God knew what love can do, 
It's a powerful, powerful force. So I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to ask God, the Holy Spirit of God, to stir up the fruit of love. To make it even, to make us even more flavorful, more attractive, more loving to those around us. But I also want to ask the Spirit of God to give love through you and through me. And then I want to just release us to love on one another in Jesus' name. So let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you for love. I want to thank you that the greatest of all the gifts is love. I want to thank you that the fruit of the Spirit, the first one that's mentioned, is love. And so I pray that you would stir up in the lives and hearts of Milton Bible Church, in the individuals that are listening even right now, that a Holy Spirit inspired, empowered evidence of love. Stir us up, Lord, so that we might be the people of God who showcase your love to the world. And I pray by your Holy Spirit, if there are any listening who have not received Christ as Savior, that even now they would say, I receive the love of God into my life through faith. Father, I also don't want it to just words. I want it to be actions, to love in word and in deed. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would raise us up even today to do acts of love, acts that display the glory of God, that, that show kindness and patience, that reveal the security that we have in our relationships one with another. And we just pray that there would just be a real release of love in our church, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in our nation. May God's people be known as the people of love. And so, Lord, we just release uh, this promise of love into our lives. And may the world know who you are because of it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I want to thank you for listening today. We're going to have a treat as we uh, finish the sermon today. Uh, John Corbin, one of our wonderful resident artists, is going to, we're going to play one of his videos, one of his songs that really uh, affirm the love of God in our lives. So I want you to sit back. I want you to listen to it. I want you to enjoy it and be inspired by it as I am. God bless you. Have a great day. Love you guys. And uh, look forward to seeing you very, very soon in person as we celebrate uh, God and love him together. All right, peace out.